Welcome to the House of Cinema podcast. I am your host, Joe Aragon, and in the house today, a discussion on post-Renaissance Disney movies. And because we are revisiting Disney movies, I thought, what better person than to invite Bobby back to have this discussion. Bobby, how are you? I'm so good. So happy to be back in the house of cinema. What a warm welcome. I'm happy that you're back. We talked about Renaissance Disney last time, and mm-hmm. now we're talking post-Renaissance Disney. And you said before our recording, it's a little rough, Joe. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what do you mean by it's a little rough, Bobby? Okay. Explain first, yourself. First of all, don't don't put it just on me because I definitely <laughs> brought up, or Chicken Little was brought up, which is one of the movies from this era. <laughs> and you said, like, let me go back to the text, actually. <laughs> oh, so wow, the pulling people, out the receipts. Yeah, I'm pulling out the receipts because I will not be slandered on this <laughs> podcast and made to feel like I was the only one who brought up that, you know, it was a little bit of a rough period for, for Disney. You know, I, you know what? You're right. You're not the only person who feels this way. A lot of people feel like this era of, of Disney animated movies were not the best of the bunch, I guess you yeah. could say. Not not the best. I mean, okay, here's the problem. Not when you compare them quality-wise, mm. save for like a couple. Quality-wise against the Renaissance era, it's it's no competition. It's, yeah. it's laughable. Yeah. But... If you have the like nostalgia for it, it's just as potent as like the Renaissance era films for me. Like there are a couple on this list that I like put up with Renaissance era films, not in quality, but in like how much I loved them as a kid. That's fair. In a vacuum, they're not the worst movies, but it's hard to look at them in a vacuum when you have when they follow the Renaissance era and then the era after this, pretty good movies as well. So mm-hmm. for clarification for those who don't know. According to the internet, post-Renaissance Disney is 11 films going from 1999 to 2008. That starts with Fantasia 2000 to Bolt. Bolt, the movie with John Travolta as a dog and Miley Cyrus as a human. Already showing your bias against Bolt, I see. I rewatched Bolt this morning, that's why. So it's fresh on the mind. I'm, I'm fresh off the Bolt train. Ah, gotcha. It's already your number one. Yeah, wow, maybe. So here are the 11 (laughs) movies. So I said Fantasia in 2000, then Dinosaur. Remember Mm. Dinosaur? I remember Dinosaur exclusively on the like on Disney Channel as like a commercial that they would play (laughs) because they were going to play it on Disney Channel. Never had any follow through to watch. Wow. Okay. Uh, Then it was Emperor's New Groove. And then it was Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Lilo and Stitch. Treasure Planet, Brother Bear, Home on the Range, Chicken Little, Meet the Robinsons, and as I mentioned, Bolt. Those are the 11 movies that we are going to be discussing today, our five favorites of the 11. Before we list our five favorites, how hard was it for you to choose five? Was it easy or was it difficult? Initially, I thought it was easy, and honestly, for two, like for the bottom two positions, I was like, I'm just gonna kind of put whatever because I knew my favorites, like those stuck out like sore thumbs. Mm, home on the range, and yeah, I got it. Yeah, bull home on the range. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the other places, I had some real difficulty. But then I revisited 
one i only had time to revisit like one of the movies Mm -hmm. and that kind of changed my ranking a little bit so it was a little bit harder not in the same way as the renaissance where it was like harder because i have so many favorites this one was harder because i didn't have so many favorites well for these this era do you find yourself revisiting these movies often there are two that I revisit mm. often, and one that I now would revisit, like I would put it in the rotation of revisiting often. Got it. But not compared to like the quantity of times you revisit the Renaissance era. Exactly. Like okay. it's not the same, but you know, I appreciate them. They're fine. What is it about the post Renaissance era that doesn't hit the same? Is there is there something about it? I I've thought about that, and I think honestly, post Renaissance for Disney, like when you come off of ten strong years for animation and like almost kind of set this standard for animation and set this very specific formula Mm -hmm. i think they as a studio kind of got lost because Mm -hmm. they felt that people were getting fatigued and we saw it at the end of the renaissance um era with movies like mulan and tarzan like those are very different than like little mermaid and beauty and the beast yeah and so then you get to this weird kind of like the teenage years almost where they don't really quite know what works and what does it some work some don't and then they find that renaissance period again like post the post renaissance period yeah i can agree with that i feel like for me a lot of these movies it's strange like i grew up with and then there's like a weird divide where like i just stopped watching yeah and it kind of happens after i want to say like after brother bear is when like i just stopped caring and i don't know if it's because i just grew up and got older and was like more interested in other things or like home on the range was just like my breaking point i was like i'm done with disney after (laughs) home on the range (laughs) but i don't really have a a nostalgia factor with i would say half of them i don't have a nostalgia factor and there's a couple that i do but i still like don't love um so it's it's an interesting set of movies for sure because after these movies, we get, like, the Tangled and, like, Frozen era of movies. Mm-hmm. But I have, like, fonder memories with those movies. These are just, like, the awkward duckling of, like, the bunch. It's just, like, a weird bunch of movies. They are a very weird bunch of movies. And feasibly speaking, these should have been the movies that I have the most nostalgia for because I was in, like, the Target demo mm-hmm. for them. Um, but I don't. I don't really. Why do you think that is so? Loss. I think because the Renaissance was still recent enough that, yeah. like, I was just shown. It was like, why are we watching these newer, like, not trash, but, like, newer, <laughs> not as great movies when we have, the, like, I had, like, Aladdin on VHS and, like, Cinderella yeah. on VHS. So I just watched those. And none of these really, like, stuck out to me, save for, like, a few. That's a good point. I was, I was wondering because I was, you know, born in the early 90s. So the Renaissance era of Disney movies really aligned with my age Mm -hmm. and so i was wondering i wonder if someone born closer to like 2004 or so if they align more with these movies but i feel like even those you know people would say they align more with like the tangled era so i I feel like no one really aligns with this renaissance post-renaissance era oh watch we're gonna get a thousand comments (laughs) being like actually this is my favorite era it's just gonna be non-stop if i meet a home on the range fan i will be shocked shocked you'd be surprised like there's it's like home on the range feels like one of those like little cottage industries like animation fans you think that there are not fans of something animation fans have a whole little community 
somewhere on the internet where they are super fans. So there are home on the rangers out there who stand 10 tones down for this movie for whatever reason. I guess. I guess we'll find out after this episode is published and we get any hate DMs and I'll find out if home on the range. (laughs) When you get any hate DMs. When I get them. Exactly. When I get them. (laughs) Well, without further ado, let's talk about our favorite five. Mm-hmm. As the guest of honor, what is your fifth favorite post-Renaissance Disney movie? So my fifth favorite post-Renaissance Disney film is Chicken Little. I cannot believe you're actually putting Chicken Little in your top five right now. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> I don't know why you're shocked. It's a great <laughs> movie, Joe. <laughs> I, I rewatched this one yesterday. Chicken Little's annoying. I don't think Chicken Little's very good. <laughs> wow. Wow. You just don't get it. I, maybe Little, I don't. Explain I it to just, me. Okay. So, okay. Well, fuck. Okay. So, Chicken Little is not a great movie. You're correct. But it has a lot of heart and it has a really good soundtrack and it was a movie that I watched a lot (laughs) so i think that's why it's ingrained in my brain as being good but it it deserves a spot on this list above some others we won't mention it um but i just i don't know i think there's something about chicken little that is so not disney but it's also like not trying to be dreamworks it's like the secret third thing Mm -hmm. and it's just very it's a very odd movie but i really appreciate that it's willingness to just be weird it is a super strange movie. Comple- I swear, I wrote a review on Letterboxd, like a two-line review, and it was basically, this is a weird movie, and it's so weird that it came out. It doesn't feel like a Disney movie, like you said, but it also doesn't feel like DreamWorks. It just feels so like, it almost feels like a blue sky, like an Ice Age type movie, mm-hmm. but it's Disney. It's a strange movie. It I honestly is. thought doing this podcast episode, I was like, I think Bobby and I are going to have the same top five, but now that we... <laughs> don't i'm like so shocked like what movie did i have my top five that bobby doesn't have because i didn't have chicken little uh i have chicken little ranked number nine out of 11 if i'm completely honest okay (laughs) i can i already know the bottom two i could guess i don't like uh what's the dad's name buck buck something father buck was yeah buck mccluck i think mccluck bad dad bad dad don't like him He's a bad dad. Okay, yeah, Buck is a bad dad because he, like, Chicken Little really just wants to, like, be, like, his dad. And his dad is really, like, his dad says without saying, son, you're kind of a dork-ass loser and you'll never be (laughs) like me. (laughs) That's really the long and short of their There was, like, a direct quote where, like, a Chicken Little says, don't you believe me, dad? And the dad straight up looks at him and goes, no, son, I don't. (laughs) What? I was like, what is going on? How is this movie real? Okay, so for like parental relationships, obviously this movie is not doing great. (laughs) (laughs) No one really likes Chicken Little. And I think, you know what? Now that I'm reassessing, maybe it shouldn't have been my... (laughs) That's fine. Hey, you live your truth. It, it is a strange the, movie. It was tied but... with another movie. I okay, will say. okay. The alien invasion always like catches me off guard because it mm-hmm. like really leans into the alien invasion. Like the whole, like the entire last twenty minutes, like the aliens are like attacking the chicken little town and evaporating people, and it's just so weird. It's such a strange movie. It is a very strange movie. I will say I like the pig and I like the fish. 
I do like the fish. I do like the fish. And I like Runt the pig. I like Runt the yeah. pig as well. Runt is fun. And he's just a blue, a, well, a big ball of nerves. Yeah. And, and he likes to sing. Yeah. He just likes to sing. Uh, <laughs> fun. He just likes to sing. And to support you a little more, I will say, there were a lot of people in my comments saying, Chicken Little is awesome. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of Chicken Little fans. You're not alone. If anything, I might be in the minority. Exactly. Chicken Little Nation, stand up. We, it's <laughs> our time. <laughs> All right. Well, my number five, I have Brother Bear. Okay. Interesting. Do you not have Brother Bear in your top five? Brother Bear is not in my top five. Whoa. Why not? I, when I was reassessing it, I was like, what do I like about Brother Bear? It's soundtrack. Yeah. That is the long (laughs) and short of it. Um, The guy, what's his name? The main, the bear, the main bear. I don't remember his name. I I did not get a chance to revisit this one. Is it Coda? No, that's the little one. And it's not Kovu. That's from that's, Lion King. <laughs> that's Lion King. Coda uh, <laughs> is the younger one, and Kanal is the older one, played by Joaquin Phoenix. Okay, see, perfect. So I did not like Brother Bear because the older bear, he was just really annoying to me, I think. Like, wow. as a kid, I, I thought he was just, like, annoying on the surface. But go 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 forth. Defend well, this movie. <laughs> the soundtrack is kick-ass. Phil Collins, once again, showing us that he goes really hard on Disney soundtracks. Tearing it up, yeah. Tearing it up after Tarzan. Some people even argue this is better than Tarzan. I wouldn't go that Ooh. far. No, it, there's not that many songs in Brother Bear. Right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't go that far. I, I'm not that crazy. I, I think it's good, but it's not like Tarzan good. Yeah. Um, but it's a good story, and I think it's really sad. It's the, like the one of the very few post-renaissance disney movies that i feel can make me cry only one other one gets me like that emotional and we'll talk about it later for sure but Mm. all the other movies i never really get emotional not home on the range not dinosaur not bolt chicken little i'm not getting emotional all those movies but brother bear definitely pulls out my heartstrings a bit and i'm a sucker for crying so i think i put it number five i think that's real that's a real that's a real reason what's number four so my number four, which was originally my number five, but then I switched them because um, I knew I would be harassed on the internet, is uh, Fantasia 2000. Well, okay, we have a totally different top five, and I'm just shocked right now. Really? You thought we were going to have the same? I I honestly thought we would be like, oh, yeah, that's my number four. We would have like the same movies, but in different orders. But so far, we're like 0 for 2. Okay, maybe our top three might be the same and maybe like a different order. I, I think, think our top three will be the same. I'm just, I'm surprised you, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it in a second. Fantasia 2000. Fantasia 2000 has one of my favorite animation sequences of all time. It's Rhapsody in Blue. Yeah, it's very alone, good. alone, I'm like, it's just, it's also like, it's just, it's really for like, it's for the animation purist out true, there, Joe. True, true, true. You know, like, there's no real story. It's like the original Fantasia from 1940, I think. Like, it's just a collection of uh, animated segments set to music, oftentimes classical music. But the Rhapsody in Blue sequence, which I think was animated by Eric Goldberg, who also animated Genie and Aladdin. Um, I think him and his wife worked on it. And it was, uh, like, the design of it is inspired by the work of al hirschfeld Mm -hmm. so it's just a lot of like layers of art and i think a lot of the other segments speak to that too it's just really beautiful 
Yeah, this is like the choice you make because you have a lot of knowledge and you're intellectual. This is like the intellectual <laughs> choice, Fantasia yeah. 2000, because it is absolutely stunning. The Rhapsody in Blues alone is better than like Olive Bolt and Chicken Little and Dinosaur put together, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, and you're leaving out Home on the Somehow, what part of Home, Home on, on the Range is better than Rhapsody <laughs> and Home on the Range too? Uh, <laughs> I don't have Fantasia 2000 in my top five. And the only reason I didn't put it in my five is because... Like you said, it's not really a movie. It is just a bunch of clips and scenes and images set to some really beautiful music. Um, that being said, your choice is totally valid because it is really, like you said, for the purists. Uh, and it's it's amazing. It's beautiful. I have like nothing to add besides that. Like I watched it early this morning and I didn't even assign it like a star rating because I don't feel like that's fair. It's more of like an experience type thing. Yeah. And it's just incredible. I cannot believe how, like, the Ravsty and Blues, how well it holds up 20 years later, 23 years later. It's still just, like, bonkers how good it is. It's it's just a solid piece. Like, if you ever, as a movie or just, like, movie TV pop culture person, you ever want to understand, like, why people go so hard for animation, I think watching that segment, you would, you'd get it. Like, you would understand it. Yeah, um, I agree with that. It's great. Do you think they'll ever do like a Fantasia 3000? Like, what year do they do that? Ooh, because what? It was probably like 70, 69, 70 years between. 70 years? I think it's like 1943 or 1934 or something like that. Yeah, something like that. So, I mean, it makes sense for them to do another one at the turn of the millennia. Um, so it might be a while before we get another one. But maybe, I honestly, they should have done one for... The like this years. year for the hundred years, yeah, I think so. It feels like the right time to do it, and if anything, now is the best time to do it because there's so much conversation about animation as a medium. Mm-hmm. I think it would be really smart for Disney to kind of like say spearhead the movement and say animation is a medium, not a genre, by releasing like a Fantasian Fantasia three thousand esque type thing. I mean, this is only like seventy minutes; they don't have to put like a lot of work into it but i think people would appreciate it and people definitely would like even like disney if you're listening because you always are um free idea for you there you go yeah fantasia 3000 do like just a sequence of like different popular disney movies reanimated in like a different style or a different like art style or something like that so take like i don't know Pinocchio and make it no not hyper re- no, with we, like a little segment or something <laughs> too much Pinocchio or something years. like obscure or like take Cinderella and make it like a different you know like art style of 2D animation or something like like let a young artist kind of just run wild with any given Disney property I think that I like would be that cool. idea the yeah. three caballeros yeah there you go three those guys haven't we haven't seen those guys in a while they're on a ride at Disney World. Oh, Epcot. are they? I've never been to Disney World. Joe. I know, I know. People, like, shame me for not going. I'm in California. Like, I don't need to go to Florida, but I guess I do for that. You need to go to Disney. We're, we're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to go. I know. Go. People we're keep telling me Disney World is like, so amazing and so much better. Yeah, it is. I it is I just, I'm a California snob, so, like, I have a hard time believing that, but I know it's true, so... I mean, I will say, I, I get it. I do like Disneyland a little bit more than Disney World, but Whoa. you should still go. You should still go. I will. I will one day. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm glad they are still represented somewhere because they're not at Disneyland. 
<laughs> no, they it's just like a like a boat ride in the Mexico Pavilion in Epcot. That's oh, where they are. That's fun. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, my number four, a movie I don't think is in your top five, and you'll have a lot of explaining to do. Mm. Atlantis: The Lost Empire. Mm. <laughs> Why not, Bobby? Why not? <laughs> okay. So Atlantis and Treasure Planet ran into the same problem for me in that when I was a kid, Disney made no effort to get me to want to watch either of those movies. That's and fair. That's fair. They the marketing was botched, famously so. Like they both competed against movies that were going to mop the floor with them at the box office. That mm-hmm. it just is what happened. Um so Needless to say, it kind of just passed me by. And it, what marketing they did do, they made them look so boring. And so I just, I just have never gone back to to Atlantis. And like I said off the off uh, air, I was like, I could only pick one to revisit. So I rewatched Treasure Planet, and I think I would probably enjoy Atlantis. But here we are. I'm surprised you haven't wanted to revisit it in the last two or three years i feel like of all the movies on these on this list atlantis has had the biggest resurgence i feel like you scroll on instagram or tiktok and people are like constantly like simping over the characters in atlantis or like cosplaying as the characters in atlantis i just feel like it's it's been a little bit more popular recently do you not do you feel that way i think not like the rest of the movie wise but certainly with the characters and i will be to be fair I have technically seen it via a commentary video. Mm. If anyone knows Practical Folks, which is uh, Chelsea and James from Dead Meat, they used to watch Disney movies and get drunk. And so I watched their video watching Atlanta. So I've seen it, but I would agree. Like, I think people just are like um, Kita and Milo are are hot, but that's the extent. Yeah, they are hot and people love to like talk about that. And I get it. When I was a kid, I'm pretty sure I had a crush on both of them at some point. Yeah. But- I completely agree with you that this movie was marketed not for probably the demographic you're in. Like this was like this was a span. This and Treasure Planet were like these are the boys' movies, yeah. pirates and explorers and blowing up shit and stealing shit and like they really heavily marketed that. And so it appealed to me when I was a kid. I was like all into that. I was a big fan of Atlantis as a kid growing up, and. With its resurgence recently, I have had a chance to revisit it over the last couple of years. Still holds up. I still like it a lot. Um, there's a lot of discussion like about live-action remakes, and I was going to ask you about this later, but we're here now. Mm. None of these movies so far have had a live-action remake. Yeah. Lilo and Stitch is in production. But people I've heard around uh, the grapevine that... If people want a live action Disney movie, they want it to be of Atlantis. What are your thoughts on this? Are people just being horny? Well, duh. But like, <laughs> <laughs> of course. What do you mean? Half of these like Disney live action movies are just like vehicles for people to cast people that they want to like have sex with. That's what these movies are for. That's Don't fair. act like it's not. Okay, but, I'm just double checking. But I will say. Like, I was talking to someone about this, and I was like, and they brought up the very good point that these are the movies that Disney should be doing live action remakes for. That's a good point. Because there's not this, like, groundswell 
of nostalgia in the yeah. way of like a, an Aladdin or a Lion King. Like it's still a relatively underrated Disney movie. So you could open up a, a like a real resurgence for the story of Atlantis and it could be done in a way where like the technology makes it feel really, really cool. Cause like the, I know that like the story and just the setting and backgrounds and stuff are, they make for a really good adventure. And I feel like Disney could definitely like do something with that. That's a really good point. I really didn't think about it in that perspective. These are the movies that don't have a ton of nostalgia built in with them. I mean, like we talked about earlier, I'm sure there are people and demographics of people who have nostalgia for these movies, but they're not the Aladdins, the Lion Kings, the Little Mermaids. Those are the movies people get super overprotective about. Yeah, and no one's going to be like, oh, you ruined my child. Like, I mean, some people would, but like not enough for disney to hear it and care yeah um so it i think they should they should give that a go versus lilo and stitch is atlantis the best option of the 11 for a live action remake oh gosh or is it chicken little (laughs) (laughs) okay you know what what? i'm sorry no this is payback because i gave you a lot of shit for the rescuers in the last episode this is true you did you did never forget that so so i also i want to point out this is a total side tangent Mm -hmm. a lot of people did message me and voice that in solidarity with you about your feelings about bell and your feelings about little little mermaid fans absolutely thank you guys you were not alone in those opinions people agreed Little Mermaid fans are uh, a little insufferable. Annoying. And Belle is incredibly insufferable. I, like, my own little side tangent, I was talking with my aunt, whose favorite princess is Belle. And I basically, the rant that I went on on the podcast episode is what I told to her. That (laughs) night, she went back and watched Beauty and the Beast and she called me and said, yeah, I see what you mean. (laughs) Belle is, you know, a nuisance to her community. So Uh, Those poor French people just trying to eat and she's so worried about her books. Those poor French people on the brink of a literal revolution. (laughs) Belle should have been happy and lucky that they didn't bring out the guillotine for her but i i digress i digress yeah anyways besides atlantis is there any other good option for a live action movie oh not emperor's new groove i don't want to see someone acting with a cgi llama um treasure planet could be done but it's that movie is almost too fantastical that yeah. it would require so much to be able to do that. Um, I mean, in the vein of the live action ones they've been doing, I'm surprised they haven't done Brother Bear. It might uh, be yes, a lot man. of sensitivity around the indigenous aspects of it. So I could see why they might want to leave that alone. Um, dinosaur? Yeah. I, I mean, Dinosaur practically looks like a live action Disney remake, so I don't see why they couldn't. And honestly, we're joking. Bolt might be the best one they could. You know what? I know. We're probably in that world right now where Bolt is the best option. Yeah. It would be like casting a little girl, getting a dog, putting a little lightning bolt on the side of him. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. I mean, they did Lady and the Tramp live action. I guess they could do Bolt. Who watched that? I didn't watch it. I I know they made it. I just didn't watch it. <laughs> it was made. <That's>, yeah, <laughs> it exists. Dinosaur is such an interesting movie to me. It is, out of every movie on this list of these 11 movies, it's just the weirdest and like 
we're talking like Chicken Little, Bolt, and Home on the Range. I feel like Dinosaurs like just doesn't really fit in. It doesn't feel like a Disney movie at all. It it feels like Disney was trying to experiment, and then it didn't do well. And so they were like, let's just go back to doing what we're used to doing. I don't know. Yeah. How do you feel about Dinosaur? I think, I don't know if I'm remembering it correctly, but I feel like there was some, there was like a late 90s, like ABC like show. So fresh off of Disney acquiring ABC that they were going to make like a dinosaur based show. And the movie was supposed to be kind of like a companion piece mm, to it. That I might be making that up, but okay. there, I think there's something there, but dinosaur is just like disney has never really done disney or any disney subsidiary has never really done a good dinosaur thing like pixar tried it with a good dinosaur disney tried it with dinosaur and i just don't think that they get it i don't know like i think they saw jurassic park and they were like damn why didn't we do that first so it does feel like that yeah that's it's you're never gonna be jurassic park it's yeah just never gonna I mean, be that few movies will ever be jurassic park it's very true all right well what's your number three pick so my number three pick which is i've already mentioned it uh is treasure planet okay i think we will have the exact same top three then perfect because my number Wonderful. three is also treasure planet amazing um i posted about this on twitter um and i know you saw it because i saw that you liked it but mm-hmm. This was the first time that I was watching this movie all the way through and like really focusing on it. And I was shocked. Blown away. At how good it was. Like at first I was like, I don't know, like this is all right, whatever. But then it just kind of like it kicks in the gear and you are just like on this like spellbinding adventure with this angsty kid and the Google dolls are there and <laughs> Emma Thompson's there and David Hyde Pierce is there. And it's just, it's insane. The one downfall of this movie and honestly the one thing that kept it from my number one or number two spots. And I feel like you can guess. Is it the robot? It's the fucking robot. I hate that robot so much. Ugh, He's the worst God. part about the movie for sure. Martin Short's like, what's the name? Ben? I think his name is Ben. ben. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the worst part of the movie. He's so annoying. And I don't know if like they're intentionally trying to make him annoying, but there are times where every time we meet him, I'm like, too much, too much robot. It's just too much. Like it was <laughs> it's so in the vein of and I I think these movies were probably in production maybe around the same time, so it makes sense, but it's similar to another character that Martin Short played in the Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius movie, Ubla. Who's like another annoying little sidekick character? Wow, can't believe you remember Ubla. Yeah, that's I love Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. That's one of my favorite movies. I used to watch that show all the time. I watched the movie like a couple times, but I used to be a diehard fan of the show. The show is very good. A lot of people really don't like it because they're really? like, oh, the, yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, the CGI is so terrible. I can't even watch it. I'm like, y'all have never struggled before. I with apparently that I don't think I've, that's even crossed my mind as a kid. I was just so obsessed with sheen and carl and their stupid trio of friends <laughs> i love sheen i had a very embarrassing crush on sheen um what is the hero ultra lord yeah <laughs> love ultra lord <laughs> which is just basically a buzz Lightyear proxy exactly <laughs> love jimmy neutron anyways go on with the ubla yeah <laughs> With Uba. It's just I there was everything about this movie was working. I love Joseph Gordon Levitt as uh Jim and like I really like John Silver and like his approach and their like father son dynamic and like the scene where um I forgot the, the Google doll song that plays. 
um i can't remember but that sequence where they're basically like starting to create this connection and then you get the flashback of jim's dad never really being present and then leaving them like it was just so 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 good it works so much better as an adult i think than like if i would have seen it as a kid uh it's a lot of layers to the story and a lot of things working at one time um but yeah the one hindrance is this is the martin short robot unfortunately i agree completely i love the word swashbuckling and this movie is very swashbuckling adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, the Treasure Planet in space, or like Treasure Island in space, basically, felt like a concept when I was a kid that was, I mean, it didn't really resonate with me. I, I didn't like read Treasure Planet or Treasure Island. My only experience with Treasure Island was Muppets Treasure Island. Yeah. And so Treasure Planet was a movie when I was a kid, was only appealing because of like the cyborg and the space spaciness of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like even as a kid, I liked it, maybe didn't love it. And I didn't reach that level of loving it until I was an adult, really. And now that I'm an adult watching this movie, I really, really love it. Love the relationship between him and the cyborg, Silver. I just love the aesthetic of everything. I like all the characters, the way they look, all the aliens look different. They're all so unique and interesting. The cyborg. I just love like his hands constantly changing to different things. Yeah. There's just so many like small details about Treasure Planet that really fucking work. And that's why Treasure Planet continues to age really well, I think. And that's why it has a cult following. People like love not just the story, but like its aesthetic appeal to it as well. It kicks a lot of ass. Just the robot sucks. The robot really sucks. And it makes like you can tell. I think it's aged well because you can tell that the director's had been wanting to make it, I think, for at that point, like almost 15 years, like Ron Clements and John Musker, who are the directors of Treasure Planet, wanted to make it as early as like the late 80s. And Disney kept saying like, no, now is not a good time. Make this movie. So they do Little Mermaid. Then they come back and they're like, can we make this movie? And they're like, no, make Aladdin. And then they're like, okay, we did two. Can we make this movie now? And they're like, no, do Hercules. So they do Hercules. And then, then eventually... They get to make this movie and you can tell that they are just kind of having a ball because aesthetically speaking, it is one of the most unique Disney movies I've ever seen. Like the character designs border on scary at times. Some of them, yeah. Like the Michael Wincott uh, lobster spider. Spider thing. I always forget his name, but yeah. Yeah. He now. Okay. I'm going to say something very incriminating and I hope that you'll provide a safe space for me here. (laughs) It's Um, always a safe space here, but go on. But I, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, whose voice was that? And then I realized it was Michael Wincott, but it's, I can't say that this character has a sexy voice because of how he looks. Oh, he's the guy from Nope. He's the guy from Nope. Yeah. The cinematographer. Yeah. Antlers something. Antlers Hoist. I looked him up right now. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. That is crazy. What a, what a world. Um, this is a stacked cast. It this is like a stacked a cast. Very stacked cast. Wait, there was no hot take there. You just can't be attracted to him because you're not attracted to Michael Wincott. Well, I no, I can't say like, oh, that character is like, I, it was too much explaining like, oh, I think that character's hot. It's not the character; it's the character's like the voice. Okay, okay, okay. You know, okay. the more I explain, the the more it sounds like I'm trying to cover up by saying <laughs> that I think the character is attracted. The spider lobster guy is hot. That's fine. That's fine. No, he's, no, he's not. It's I've seen just, Shape of Water. It's, it's okay. You can <laughs> be attracted to whoever you want to be attracted to. It's just his voice, Joe. <laughs> well, it's fine. 
Um, oh my god! I love a lot of the voice acting in this. Emma Thompson is, I think, incredible. She's great in this one as the captain. It's so good. I feel like um, Minnie Driver definitely was considered for the role that Emma Thompson had because I feel like they both of them could have easily done and given like a similar performance. Oh yeah, I agree with that. I can see that. I can see for that. The, Jane from Tarzan, right? She's this Minnie Driver. Yeah, I feel like they both, like Emma Thompson probably maybe was considered for Jane too. They're similar roles to me. Are you just saying that because all British people sound the same? What are they going to do about it? <laughs> if, I do, <laughs> if I do say it. <laughs> so what? <laughs> uh, number two, since we both are number threes, our Treasure Planet, are both our number twos? Here's the, the big question. Okay. Are both our second place movies, are they both Emperor's New Groove? No. Ooh, we switched them, huh? Yeah. Interesting. So my number two is Emperor's New Groove, and my number one is Lilo and Stitch. That mm. means your number two is Lilo, and your number one is Emperor. Yeah. What if I came out and I was just like, actually, Home on the Range is my number one? What, <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. Well, in the podcast now, and thank you for joining <laughs> me for the last 30 just minutes. scrap the whole episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we actually haven't talked about Meet the Robinsons at all. Is yeah. There, is there a reason why we haven't talked about it? It sucks because it was in my top five until I saw Treasure Planet. Treasure mm. Planet knocked it right the hell out. And it's it's bad because it, I think, does what Chicken Little was attempting to do a lot better in that it is just a very weird movie. I agree. That, yeah, I took that from my brain. I thought the same thing. Yeah. It's just, it's so weird and, but it's it's weird in like a, like, hell yeah this is just so awkward and, and strange but yeah. i like it yeah it's unapologetically weird it knows like it it knows it's weird and it tries to be weird yeah the soundtrack for meet the robinsons is really great yeah yeah okay the jonas brothers kids of the future yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that i thought was oh no that wasn't in uh jimmy neutron either no i think there was the like the other version of kids of the of america kids of america jimmy yeah, neutron yeah, yeah. but then they changed it to kids of the future for me the, the robinsons, robinsons got it got it yeah uh, well why is lilo and stitch your number two so honestly my number one and number two are pretty interchangeable it I really agree. just depends on on the day i think they're both phenomenal lilo and stitch is one of those movies that just feels like a warm hug every time I watch it. Like it is so good. I love I my main like the biggest thing that I love about this movie is the more realistic character designs. Mm -hmm. Like they look like real people, which doesn't always happen in Disney movies. Like sometimes they'll be like, "Oh, it's set to be in this like place that you are familiar with," and then the people don't look like people from there, but there's something about how they captured the look and the feel of, of Hawaii and like everything. Like it just feels such, it's so, it feels so lived in, which obviously Hawaii is a very real place, but it just feels lived in. Um, I think it's, I've said this before and I will say it again. Uh, Lilo and Stitch is the superior sister movie uh, to Frozen. Wow. I think people would agree with you though. Yeah, it's because for I mean uh, I won't get into it, um, but Lilo. I think the relationship with Nani and Lilo is as as I get older, it gets it feels more. It tugs on my heartstrings a little bit more, especially as I get like older, like past the age that Nani is in the movie, because mm -hmm. I think she's nineteen. Oh and, wow! 
she has to essentially become a mom after her parents die tragically in this car accident and then not just be a mom to her little sister but also be a, her, a mom to her little sister who was taken on this blue alien person thing dog um so i get her more like when i watched it when i was little i was like oh nani she just doesn't get it but now when i watch it it's like a goofy movie i watch it and i'm like lilo give your sister a break she's yeah. trying she's trying her best she's trying to keep you not from being taken by cps I feel like this is the one I, I wanted to try to revisit before recording and I didn't get time to, but I only didn't revisit it because I feel like I've seen it a few more times than like Chicken Little and Bolt. But it's the one movie out of this bunch that I was, uh, I also get emotional at. Earlier I talked about there's only like two. It's Brother Bear and this one. This one gets mm-hmm. me pretty emotional. But it's weird for a movie like this it's it's almost rare that it exists in this era of movies because it is, yeah. if you told me it's a Renaissance movie, I, like a, not a post Renaissance movie, I probably believe you because it is that quality of Disney. It is in like the echelon of, of mermaid and uh, Aladdin and beauty and the beast. It tells a very, uh, a very simple story, but with a lot of complex emotions and themes that a lot of those other movies can tell. Like you said, like you, the older I've gotten, the more I can relate to the movie, the more I can really uh, emotionally connect with the movie because it's easy to watch it as a kid and like laugh at Stitch and laugh at the relationships between Lilo and the aliens. But the movie is tackling some really, really heavy stuff, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, compared to everything else on this list is pretty rare. And I think that's ultimately why I had it number one. But like you, it's so interchangeable with Emperor's New Groove. It really depends on the day. Do I want to be happy that day or do I want to be want to cry that day? Like, <laughs> that's really what it comes down to. Um, I guess the question of the hour is, does a live action version of this movie actually work? I think the make it or break it point for a live action Lilo and Stitch is the character design of the aliens. That is what's going to either make this great or make it crash and burn like it's the thing with animation is that you kind of have a higher suspension of disbelief so like if an alien is animated in the way that stitch is you kind of just take it on the chin you're like yeah sure but with live action because it's attempting some level of realism if this alien looks bad people are just not gonna buy into it and i think that's what's gonna cripple this movie but Stitch is already so unique looking. It yeah. It's going to be really tough to translate that to like a live action CGI version. I mean, the and closest, have it not be terrifying. And not be terrifying. The closest we, we've got to this is maybe the Jungle Book where we have a real person constantly being a companion to a, like a CGI animal. But at least those animals are recognizable because they're fucking real. Yeah, they're bears and tigers and stuff. This is going to be an alien that can grow arms and, like, lift Mm -hmm. cars and do all these, like, supernatural things. And this is just Stitch. Like, there are other aliens in this movie. There's a big fish alien guy. Yeah. Um, There's that... Jumba. Jumba is, like, a weird four-eyed... I don't know what he is. I don't know. Pleakley, non-binary icon, Pleakley. Pleakley is being played by Zach Galifianakis. Oh. Which is, I think, a good cast. I can see that. I don't know. Whoever plays Pleakley, they have to commit because Pleakley, Pleakley came for like came to Earth 
for the sole intention of retrieving this alien and taking it back to a ship. And Pleakley was like, I'm going to like pack some outfits. Like, why, why can't I express myself on what is essentially a work trip? Like, yes, it's disguises, but like, Pleakley brought wigs and dresses (laughs) and makeup and like there was a commitment there. So if Zach Galifianakis can commit to that, then I'll I'll give it a shot. I just watched Lego Batman or rewatched Lego Batman the other day. And Zach Galifianakis is the Joker in that. And he committed pretty hard to it. Yeah. So I think that works. I don't know what else they do for this movie. A lot of the issues with these live action movies is the fact that the emotion that you can see in an animated movie, you can see it in their faces. They can draw it. They can paint it. They can make, you know, a lion look sad. Have you seen that tweet of like when Simba watches his Mufasa die and the the side by side of the animated version, the live action version? Yeah, it is like the I, I always remember that scene in the animated the 2d animated version because you can see simba's eyes like get bigger as he sees the wildebeest yeah. coming towards him and you see those big like tears in his eyes and you can see it running and like streaking on his fur and there's just so much more intention and not to say that there's not intention with the cg but the like the tweet said when Simba sees these wildebeest coming at him after his father just died. He just looks the same. He looks like the there's same. no there's no emotion. It's not so much yeah, it's it's really about like what the abilities what abilities they have. Like they just don't have the ability to translate emotion on a live action or CGI lion. Yeah. You just can't. Because they're trying to make it so realistic, like a lion in real life, you can't really tell if they're sad their dad just died from a wildebeest. Yeah, you, you can't ask them. You, you know? can't ask them, and they can't really have a face that shows tragedy. But when you have a 2D drawn lion, like, like you said, the eyes get bigger, the tears streak down, the like that. there's a very distinct like furrow on the eyebrow. Like You can tell in the 2D animated movie, Simba is just distraught. Yeah, he's just really like bummed, and then in the live action, it's just kind of like I assume he's sad like, based off of what happened. We know he's sad because of context clues and because we've seen the original. Exactly. But like you put that in front of a kid, I don't know if, if who hasn't seen the original. I don't know if they're going to be able to tell the emotions they're trying to in, like portray in in the in the live action movie. Yeah, or at least the severity of the emotions. Like, I'm exactly. sure, like, a kid could look at a situation and assess it and be like, okay, they Simba's probably really sad, and I'm sure, like, the dialogue could also give that away. But in the 2D animated version, because you get all of those cues, you get the severity of how sad Simba is. And it's not just sadness. It's guilt. It's anger. It's just a like a general depression that yeah. this kid finds himself in. And it's not like it's a lot of cues that help you figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's my fear with this movie is that we're going to get even if they nail the design of Stitch. The emotion and like the relationship between him and a, and a real life person playing Lilo is going to be really difficult to really capture that magic. And I don't know. I think like that's why these movies are end up going to be like kind of a failure. Unless you get movies where the main characters are mostly human, like Atlantis, 
maybe that's easier to translate, but capturing that magic is going to be so tough. It's going to be really, really hard. And I think, like, because the little girl that they cast as Lilo is, she is just so precious and so adorable. If Stitch looks too terrifying, I don't think people are going to want to watch. They're going to be like, (laughs) oh, God, like, I don't want to see, like, you don't want to feel like this real little girl is in any sense of real danger because this alien is so terrifying looking like the beauty of the animated movie or the 2D animated movie is that Lilo is never super scared mm-hmm. of Stitch at any point. Like she's curious about him, but she's never scared. And yeah. like not to say that this live action actress couldn't relay that same thing, but I think as a viewer I'd be like, "Are you sure you're not scared?" Yeah. Cuz yeah. he's terrifying. I don't know. I guess we'll see. It probably won't come out till 2025 or something like that, maybe next year, but We'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll, we'll reconvene see. once we know more. Yeah, we'll we'll know more. I have a question for you about this movie. Go for it. Do you think that or which movie has been more effective in igniting, I guess, an interest in Elvis Presley's music? Ooh. Elvis 2022 or <laughs> Lilo and Stitch? <laughs> you know the answer. You just want me to tell you that Lilo and Stitch ignites more passion for elvis than the actual elvis biopic thank you so much i know that's the answer you know that's the answer i think that's the answer for most people Mm -hmm. that this movie definitely gives me more uh more interest in elvis than the actual biopic i kind of forget sometimes how much uh elvis plays a part in lilo and stitch and then i will like watch certain scenes and it's just fantastic it's great it's it's because i was like really thinking um about needle drops in disney movies and how there aren't really many if any um because i thought that for whatever reason i thought they played iris by google dolls and P- treasure planet and they obviously don't but Some this needle is drops like, in chicken little yeah it's a lot of this, them it's a lot of them <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> the most needle drops or i guess one of the first instances of needle drops yeah is is in this movie with Elvis and but it doesn't feel out of place it weirdly enough no it works it works really really well and beyond the actual Elvis music Hawaiian roller coaster ride whoo a banger banger song that's a killer song I love it that's a good song hey mele no lilo at the very beginning very good the scene where nani is like sitting with lilo in the little hammock and she's singing aloha oi oh my gosh that's the one thing the live action movie can get right is the music so Mm -hmm. that's why i'm not totally against or i'm like not completely negative on it because there's some things i think they can nail it's just the crutch of it is going to be this relationship with this cgi alien and that's going to be tough that's going to be real if he wasn't half of the movie, then I wouldn't be worried. I but know. It's, I know. it's not Lilo and Lilo. It's <laughs> Lilo and Stitch. So. <laughs> it's not Lilo and Nani. It's Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> so yeah. they can't really play him down, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Let's switch gears to The Emperor's New Groove. You're number one. Mm-hmm. Why is The Emperor's New Groove your number one? I love when Disney movies, especially, who are so known for a very specific style and tone and formula completely divert away from that and emperor's new groove is the definition of of that it is breaking the fourth wall in an animated movie which is rare if anything Mm -hmm. um the humor is so it's kind of mean like Cusco is 
terrible he's and a terrible he, person i love it he's a terrible person <laughs> yeah. but somehow i eat it up every single time i think it's very well cast like david spade as cusco um john goodman as pacha um my gosh eartha kitt as yzma uh patrick warburton as um cronk like it's everyone is like doing a really really good job of playing mm-hmm. their characters uh, fun fact, the movie was not supposed to be like that at all. Yes, um, tell us the story. I've heard it before from you, actually, but I think listeners would find it really interesting to know that The Emperor's New Groove was not meant to be The Emperor's New Groove, essentially. Yeah, it wasn't. This, funnily enough, is one of the first TikTok videos I ever made. Oh. Um, it's what got my career going. Uh, well, let's hear um, it. Tell us. So uh, The Emperor's New Groove, I think, was in production almost as early as the mid 90s and it was originally supposed to be directed by roger allers who worked on the lion king and he wanted it to be this like epic this like sweeping epic that like had all these different elements going and the original story i think was that it was almost kind of like a, a switcheroo type of situation so cusco obviously is like this emperor or emperor to be and he's just gotten very bored of his life and then there's pacha who is this llama herder and they switch roles and they're because for some reason they're like twins i think Uh um and they switch roles and so hilarity ensues from there then there's the side plot of yzma who is still kuzco's royal advisor who is trying to block out the sun wow um, because like the sun is a god and like there's some elements there. I'm a little bit fuzzy on the story. It's been a while, but like she's trying to block out the sun and she actually sings a song called Snuff Out the Light, um, which did get produced and it's on the um soundtrack for the movie, and it's a really, really good song. <laughs> like it's a very, very good song. Yeah. Um, but she wants to do that so that she can stay eternally young forever because the sun does age you, obviously. So she wants to do that. Then there, I don't, I can't remember how they like all convene. Cusco had a love interest in this version and then they get rid of that. But essentially the movie just went through absolute production hell. Like, and that was all chronicled via a documentary called The Sweatbox. And The Sweatbox was being produced by sting's wife uh trudy styler and so she it was basically just supposed to start out as like a you know fun little like behind the scenes of making this movie and then one thing after another after another goes wrong um roger allers ends up leaving because they just like disney executives are just so like they're hammering home this idea that he just doesn't align himself with at one point all of the animation that they had to do or they had done um the executives were like this is not good and so they basically scrapped it so they had to start the movie over again um while the movie is trying to figure out what it is like roger allers wants it to be this epic then they bring in another director who i think eventually becomes the main director he wants it to be this like buddy cop thing they can't convene on that roger allers leaves um like sting's presence with the movie because he did i think two songs yeah it was My gonna Funny be like Friend. a musical right yeah it was supposed to be much more of a musical and so he made a lot of songs and a lot of those got scrapped so he started getting more 
antsy and then they it just was a mess and so while this is going on a lot of animators who were just kind of sitting in limbo while you know production was trying to figure out what this movie was going to be then went on to work on Fantasia 2000 and so that's that kind of became their their project in the meantime and so eventually they figure out okay we're going to make it this buddy cop comedy and so the whole idea of this sweeping epic gets completely thrown out. They focus in on Pacha and Cusco. Cusco gets turned into a llama. I think he also got turned into a llama in the original cut, but I can't remember when that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have the Emperor's New Groove, which was completely like polar opposite from what it was intended to be. Well, first of all, thank you for this amazing story, because I think it's really interesting that this movie, which has now been kind of heralded as like ahead of its time it's on a lot of people's always like top of their list of their favorite disney movies it's so interesting that it was not even conceived this final product was not its original conception like people were like thinking of something totally different so it's important to know i think it's important people know that but why is it made the top of your list Honestly, in all of the kerfuffle, they still did make a really solid movie. And I think it was because they had nothing to lose. They were like, this movie's got to get made. And so we're going to go forward with this idea of like breaking the fourth wall and having this very sarcastic humor. Like you could tell that they were kind of just like, almost just like, fuck it, just try it. Why not? Like, we just want this movie to be done with because it had sat in production hell for almost a decade. Yeah. Um. So I think it works because they just kind of just stuck whatever to the wall and went with it. And I think a lot of people really appreciate it. Like, I think this was Disney's best attempt at beating DreamWorks at their own game. Mm-hmm. Um. And it predates Shrek by almost a year. Yeah. So I think it was like, it marks the turning of the tides of the more sarcastic, more cynical, more dry approach to family entertainment via animation. Um, And it still holds up. Like, I've seen it recently. It still is very, very funny. Is it the funniest movie Disney ever made? Oh. I mean, probably. Like, not even just within this era, but like outside all the eras. Maybe. I mean... I I don't know. I'm such an Aladdin stan that like Genie oh, and Genie that, is funny. Yeah. Genie is hilarious. But as far as like the movie as a whole, it might be. It might be the funniest. What's the most iconic quote in Emperor's New Groove? <laughs> I think Kronk gets all the best best lines. The, <laughs> the scene where he's talking to Yzma about the poison, he's like, right. Oh, the poison. The poison that killed Cusco. Cusco's poison. <laughs> That's a like, good one. That's a really good one. Um, the scene which always was on like a Disney Channel commercial for the movie with Pacha and Cusco and Pacha's looking at the waterfall that they're about to fall down. Um, that scene where they're kind of just like, all right, bring it on. We're going to fall off at the edge <laughs> of the earth. That part used to play. You're right. It played all the time in the commercials that I as a kid would like repeat it like on the playground for no reason. Yeah, it was the scene that I think the earworm of that little part was the booyah as they're like falling <laughs> down the waterfall. So good. That's so true. They play that all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, spinach Puffs? <laughs> Is Spinach Puffs the most famous moment in all of cinematic history from New Emperor's New Groove? It sure did make me want to eat some Spinach Puffs, I, I will say. Those mm-hmm. Spinach Puffs. Kronk 
just wanted, just like Runt and Chicken Little, just wanted to sing and dance. Hawk <laughs> just wanted to cook. He just wanted to cook. He just wanted to cook. One of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is when Krunk is, his mission is to like dispose of the the body, and like he does like that secret mission song as he's like <laughs> he sings his own spy music. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's going down the stairs. Um, pull the lever, pull the lever. Krunk is one of the quotes i feel like i say a lot yeah so i like that one a lot it's just a very funny movie um i feel like in the commercials they would always show the old guy who throws off his groove in the beginning yeah, and they're yeah. like what happened he's like i threw off his groove like don't throw off his groove and they throw him literally <laughs> yeah. out of the, the palace it's first so of all how funny. that old man didn't die I, i'm shocked but uh, you're right but like all the fourth wall breaks like it's just so unheard of for a disney movie and it's so ahead of its time i love it i just i love it so much there's just so much about it i love any given day it's my number one it, it's a good time it's a really really good time i've We've gone back and find, found the script from the the video that I made. And it's basically just supposed to be The Prince and the Pauper. I should yeah. have just started out by saying that. Well, I know, as you were explaining it, I'm like, it sounds like The Prince and the Pauper. And it, it was. And it was supposed to have Owen Wilson, David Spade, and Eartha Kitt were the same, Carla Gugino, and Laura Prepon. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, sometimes things work out. And this is the perfect example of things working out. Yeah. Like, I do wonder... The movie, had it worked out the way that it was intended to, you know, like what that would have looked like, especially coming from someone like Roger Allers, who obviously showed uh, an ability to make an epic film like The Lion King. But I don't know. I think I think the right we're in the right timeline for The Emperor's New Groove. And it was really successful. It got a bunch of sequels. It got a Disney Channel show. So that's right. Emperor's New Clothes. Is that one? New school. New school. What am I thinking of new clothes? Is that I something else? I think that's else? the actual, like, that's the, I think that's what they're they're riffing on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Emperor's new school. Yeah. Or like, Cusco's like a principal, right? No, he's a student. They Who's retcon the it. Ah, uh, Yzma. I think Yzma's a principal. Okay. Yeah, Yzma's the principal. So, like, Yzma doesn't turn into a cat, and Cusco's a student, and I think Kronk is there doing something, maybe like a an assistant or whatever it is oh doesn't he does he teach squirrel lessons in the show he i oh i don't know but he does do it in the sequel cronk's new groove oh squeak squeakins yeah. mcsqueakins like <laughs> squeak 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 <laughs> what a great movie amazing very very good movie and also i forgot it's the think the first or only disney movie to uh depict a pregnant woman oh wow yeah chicha didn't know that i didn't know it was the first movie but that makes sense i'm like trying to rack my brain of any other pregnant people in disney i guess quasimodo's mom well she was she had him and she just yeah she fully holding him that's why he got threatened to be thrown (laughs) down that well by frollo oh you know did you notice that frollo is the narrator in treasure planet the book narrator oh yeah tony J. yeah i didn't notice i was watching treasure planet last night and i was like I know that deep, scary voice from somewhere. <laughs> that was, uh, weirdo Frollo. Frollo. Wow, yeah. Also, I have a special connection to Emperor's New Groove because I think the movie takes place like in Peru. And yeah. I'm, I'm Peruvian, so like, oh, I have wow. more of a reason to like love Emperor's New Groove. Look at that. Yeah. Cultural yeah. connection. Cultural connection. Amazing. Let's recap our top five for everybody. I will go first. 
My number five, Brother Bear. My number four, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Number three, Treasure Planet. Number two, The Emperor's New Groove. And number one, Lilo and Stitch. And you, Bobby? My my number five was Chicken Little, and I stand by it. (laughs) My number four was Fantasia 2000. My number three was Treasure Planet. My number two was Lilo and Stitch. My number one was Emperor's New Groove. Are you able to rank the rest of them? Probably. Um, All right. Let me let me let's pull out the list. I have mine. I'll read it to you while you pull it up. Yeah, you go first. Number six, Meet the Robinsons. Number five. Number seven, Fantasia 2000. Number eight, Bolt. Number nine, Chicken Little. Number 10, Dinosaur. And number 11, Home on the Range. Okay. Home on the Range, dead last, huh? Dead last, Home on the Range. There was never a doubt in my mind it was not going to be Home <laughs> on the Range. Like, it never, <laughs> nothing ever was in that spot (laughs) my favorite thing about home on the range is the idea that judy dench roseanne and jennifer tilly who are the three main cows in that movie so wild it's wild and what a wilder (laughs) thought is did they record separately or did they record together i know was judy dench and roseanne Barr in the same room together at any point That is fucking wild to think about. I kind of need to know. I feel like Judy Dench, <laughs> like, I feel like she was either too, like, for it. And she was like, yeah, let's all, like, record together. Or she was like, I'm not leaving my house. You bring the equipment to me. I'll do my lines and then you'll leave. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. I don't know. There has to be some, like, behind the scene footage of it somewhere. I'll, I'll dig it up. We'll see. I'll find it. Yeah, I was at uh, when I was at I Disneyland. They showed uh, not like World of Color, but like you know those like firework events they have, and they have like a big projection screen. Yeah, was it Fantasmic? I don't know what it was called. <laughs> Do they have titles? I just know World of Color is one of them. <laughs> yes, they have titles. Oh well, it's like a one with fireworks, and there's a projection, and it was supposed to be celebrating animation. Oh, okay. I think they do have like different shows, but I think you maybe did it have like was Mickey like throughout. The show? Not really, no. It was like just kind of showing the history of the animation in Disney. And it would just like show like scenes from different movies for about 30 minutes. Okay, so then it might not be fantastic. Well, there at like towards the end of that show, there's like a big like finale and it shows like this big montage of all these famous Disney properties. And I noticed in the like small corner on the left corner, there's <laughs> the fucking cows from Hole in the Range. They gave him the smallest, smallest scene in the smallest corner. Like you would have to be sitting where I was sitting to see it. They, <laughs> were, they were like, there. Eh, but they were they, there. We have to include it because we did make it. They but did make we're it. Not exactly. a, we're not highlighting it it's per true. se. Um, all right. Are you ready? Okay. I think I'm ready. So uh, my number six is probably also Meet the Robinsons. Okay. Um, my number seven is Brother Bear. Okay. My number eight. Oh, God. Now it's just starting to be slim pickings after a while. My number eight for now is Atlantis. It doesn't mean that I believe that it's inferior. <laughs> I just haven't seen it yet. Okay, so no okay. one jumped down my throat. All right. Um, uh, My number nine is... I'll put, I'll put Home on the Range at number nine. Why not? What? Over... Over what? Oh, Bolt Over and Dinosaur? Bolt and Dinosaur? Yeah. Wow. Not a Bolt fan, huh? 
no, I didn't care about that dog a lick. Okay, like it fair. was John Travolta and Miley Cyrus. Such a weird pairing, dude. The most awkward it's pairing. So, awkward. so yeah, I'll take the Judy Dench cow over that. <laughs> I'm I'm not ashamed of that. Um, number ten. I'll do Bolt, and then number 11, Dinosaur. Wow, the dinosaur hate, the shade. Listen, when when you're a fan of peak dinosaur media, a.k.a. Jurassic Park, That's fair. Dinosaur 2000 feels like an insult. You have to feel the wrath of the asteroid and Bobby's hate. That's exactly. rough. Double duty. <laughs> Die twice. Amazing. Okay. Before we end, sometimes I've seen this list of the post-Renaissance Disney Every once in a while, the list will consi- consist of one more movie. Okay. And that movie's The Wild, which is oh. the Disney like ripoff of Madagascar. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't include it because more lists excluded it, so I didn't include it when we were discussing uh-huh. it. But I'm curious if you've seen it, and if you have seen it, where would it rank? Because I have never seen it. So. Because <laughs> it, it looks like awful. It's so bad. Oh, the I I think I like I blocked it out of my mind and on like <laughs> like almost like it was traumatic. Like I completely like blocked it out of my mind. The Wild is awful. I think it's it's like my list. So Dinosaur at 11, a big ass wall <laughs> and then <laughs> then The Wild. It's just it's just so like such a blatant ripoff yeah it is of madagascar and madagascar it's still it's good it's yeah. madagascar is so good and so you could just tell like it was so desperate like d- the wild is such a desperate attempt at like having basically doing like bugs life versus ants again and i guess disney was like oh this time we'll we'll get it but the wild is whoa, whoa, quite... whoa, whoa, whoa! Are you implying ants is better than Bugs Life? No, no, no! I'm saying like this time we'll get it, as in like this time we'll win. Oh, because do you think I... ants won last time? Uh, to a certain extent, I do. But I like Bugs Life more than ants. I think obviously. Bugs Life is underrated. Bugs Life is so underrated. It's awesome. It's really, really good. Okay, but yeah, um, you're right. The wild probably lost this, this the matchup. Wild <laughs> lost by it wasn't even a competition in, at all. <laughs> like, the wild was real bad. Yeah. Okay, I've not yeah. seen it. I've only seen like just clips on YouTube and like screenshots, and I it baffles me. This is even a a Disney movie. Yeah, I think I often confuse the wild with Over the Hedge. Oh, you careful. There are some over the hedge stands out there. I'm not saying anything about over the hedge. So y'all y'all and your little <laughs> fan accounts <laughs> you keep keep your slurs to yourself, okay? <laughs> I think I just confused the two as just being like yeah. just there. Animals. It, yeah, they're just animals, but the wild I will say I will go on record and say that the wild is far, far worse than over the hedge. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So if if we did include the wild, it'd be last. It'd be dead. Big wall. Then last. (laughs) Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. I need. I kind of want to watch it just out of spite now. But you should. I mean, also, if we're including the wild, I feel like the Disney direct to video sequels should also be included too. Like which ones? Like all of them? 
all the ones that came out around this time. So like Mulan to Return to Neverland. Like if we included Return to Neverland in this list, it would have cracked top five for me. Wow, I've never seen it. It's very, very good. Oh, Lilo and Stitch has a sequel, does it not? Yes, it does. I think it has, it might have a couple, a couple actually. <laughs> yeah, it well, there's so many experiments they could use as sequels. Yeah, I think they had they had Lilo and Stitch, Lilo, like, it was like something like st- another glitch or something like oh, that. Like, yeah, yeah, like glitch in the system or no, that sounds like something else. <laughs> glitch in the system. Uh, Lilo and Stitch, well, there's a bunch of them. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Lilo and Stitch, There's then there's Stitch the movie. That was the second one. Okay. Then there was Stitch has a glitch. That's what it is. Stitch has a glitch. Then there was the origin of Stitch, which is maybe a short. It's a four minute short. It's not not a movie. Oh, there was Leroy and Stitch. That's what it was. Leroy. Leroy and Stitch. That was a movie. (laughs) And then there's the live action remake coming out. And well, it says 2024. So maybe it'll come next year. And the show. I watched the show a lot when I was a kid. I liked the it a show lot. was pretty solid. It yeah. was pretty it was pretty good. Do you remember when the movie came out, how they had Stitch going and like fucking up like famous scenes from other Disney movies? No, I don't think so. It's like the, like the promotional material? Yeah. So like that was like the biggest thing that I remember from the release wow. of Lilo and Stitch because that was right around the time when I started, you know, like making memories and could remember things like <laughs> um, uh, but they a part of the promotional campaign. And I think a part of the initial trailers for Lilo and Stitch was uh, one that I remember is from Beauty and the Beast. So they're basically doing the sequence of like the titular song Beauty and the Beast. And then at one point they pan up to the part of the song where they're showing the uh, chandelier and like the ceiling with all the like cherubs and stuff. Uh And then you just see Stitch walking on the ceiling into frame and he's like knocking down the chandelier, almost killing Belle and vaguely familiar. So they, I think they did it with Beauty and the Beast. They did it with Aladdin Uh where like Stitch is like driving his little hover car next to Aladdin and Jasmine during a whole new world. They did something with (laughs) (laughs) the little mermaid. Like they did for Lilo and Stitch. It got a really big marketing push. And I think also famously, I, because I'm a Disney theme park nerd, they like TP'd the castle in Florida with like literal like toilet paper and then they put like graffiti that said like stitch was here uh, and people hated it because they were like i'm going on vacation i go on I vacation one nice time a castle. year i don't want to see this trash castle amazing it's 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 worth the it's worth the look up the uh, the if, commercial sound vaguely familiar especially the beauty and the beast one Mm-hmm. That and makes I think sense. It, so. it ends with Belle being like, "Get your own movie," and then you just see like Lilo <laughs> and Stitch. <laughs> Amazing! All right, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we have reached the end of our discussion on post Renaissance Disney. Bobby, thank you so much for being here. Next time you join, I guess we'll just continue the trend and go through the eras. Might as well. We just got to keep going up, and then when we reach present day, we loop back to classic Disney. Smart, smart. We loop back. I was like trying to wonder when do we loop back, but yes, we'll get to modern, and then we'll go back to the beginning. And that's some rough, rough movies. I'm not in love (laughs) with the old ones, if I'm being honest. No, I mean Disney really wasn't churning out the hits if we're being honest until 1989. (laughs) Exactly. that's, That's when the consistent hits start. Yeah, I like. Well, I watched Pinocchio. I like Pinocchio actually more than I thought. The original. I thought that was pretty good. 
But the thing is, those movies are deceptively long. Like, you yeah, watch any given classic Disney movie, and you're like an hour and a half in, you're like, okay, let's start wrapping things up, and you got a full 20 more minutes. This is true. Hopefully, I feel like a couple of them are kind of short, but yeah, I don't know. Some of those old ones, I don't remember loving at all as a kid. Yeah, no, some of them are just... Cinderella is good. I'll give that. Cinderella is good. Uh, I was never a Cinderella guy. Oh, wow. Well, Shocker. I was more of a Cinderella <laughs> I was more of a Cinderella person than I was like uh Snow White or even Sleeping Beauty. I was not into those at all. This is not shocking to me when like one of the only female centric films on your list last time was just Mulan. It's true. Wow, calling me out. Okay. Well uh-huh. <laughs> when can we get to the era of Oliver and Company? I want to talk about Oliver and Company. That's nineteen ninety nine, so oh, I don't that's know. Right. We didn't get it they didn't count in Renaissance era. Yeah, it did. I feel like we could talk about those like pre-Renaissance movies, which could include uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which celebrates its 35th anniversary this year. So. Wow. We could do an episode just dedicated to like the outliers, all those like mm-hmm. random movies that just didn't fit into an era. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. The Wild, Oliver oh, and God. Company. Don't ever put those in the same sentence. The Rescuers, the first Rescuers. Actually, that probably is in a different era. It's like the early era. I think the Rescue, yeah, the Rescuers is like Oliver and Company era. So this is your time. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) To to talk about the Rescuers. Amazing. All right. Well, Bobby, remind everybody where we can find you on the internet before we go. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at The Afternoon Special. Um, you can find me on Twitter, probably talking about Barbie, um, at Hi, I'm Bobby, H-I-I-M-B-O-B-B-I. I also have a podcast, the Afternoon Special Podcast, which now confirmed Joe will be a guest on very, very soon. I so, We have confirmed exciting. it. I put you in my calendar. I put the time, the date. I will be there. What we're it's, talking about, I don't even know yet. Do we know? We are figuring it out, but okay. tentatively, it will be some form of ranking with Disney princesses. So I will oh, force Joe right, right. to talk about women because <laughs> clearly. <laughs> okay. All right. I love, I, well, I love women. And I love women characters. I'm trying to think of the ranking. I took Mulan. I Well, you tore down Little Mermaid, so I don't choose Little Mermaid. And I you mean, tore it, down Belle. You tore down Ariel and Belle. Okay. Okay, well, anyways, this, and... is, this conversation will go nowhere. Um, <laughs> I will be on the afternoon special, and I will link all of Bobby's information in the description of the episode. Check her uh, out because it's fantastic stuff, and I'm excited yeah. to be on the episode. Um, it'll go swimmingly, I'm sure. It's going to be so fun, and I'm not going to put Joe on the spot at all. I promise. Yeah, amazing. All right, well, <laughs> for everybody else listening, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to check us out on Patreon. All the links will be in the description of the episode. Bobby, until next time, we'll be talking about the, oh, like the Tangled era of movies. That should be fun. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. But for now, appreciate everybody for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week.